In this episode, we talk to the child charmer Chrissy Davies, the creator of Chaos to Calm, about how our role as parents is one of the most vital and important in the lives of our children. Welcome to Raising Wildlings, a podcast about parenting, alternative education, and stepping into the wilderness, however that looks, with your family. Each week, we'll be interviewing experts that truly inspire us to answer your parenting and education questions. We'll also be sharing stories from some incredible families that took the leap and are taking the road less travelled. We're your hosts, Vicky and Nikki from Wildlings Forest School. Pop in your headphones, settle in, and join us on this next adventure. This episode of the Raising Wildlings podcast is sponsored by our friends at the Fun Fables podcast. Fun Fables is a great little podcast for kids with stories like The Three Little Pigs, Jack and the Beanstalk, and The Gingerbread Man, retold in a fun, entertaining way. Just search Fun Fables Stories for Kids on your favourite podcast app or click the link in the show description. Hello and welcome to this episode of the Raising Wildlings podcast. I'm your host, Vicky Oliver, and today I'm in conversation with Chrissy Davies, who is a child behaviour expert. She's known around the town as the child charmer, and people far and wide are falling in love with Chrissy's positive approach, philosophies and understandings around raising kids and family life. It sounds like she belongs in our village. With over 20 years' experience working with children and families, it's safe to say that she knows a lot about the challenges that modern-day families face. She's also the mum of two young kids and totally living the day-to-day life of raising kids with her husband in Melbourne. So let's get started talking to Chrissy about how we as parents play such a pivotal role in the lives of our children and how in modern day parenting and how it's not just parents with children with really difficult behavioural issues that need support in this modern parenting journey. Hi Chrissy, thanks for joining us on the podcast today. How are you? I'm really great, thank you. That's excellent. Can you tell us a little bit about your background and how you came to create Chaos to Calm? Yeah, sure. So I was one of these um, educators who had a really great career in teaching. I love teaching so much. I never got to the point where I didn't still enjoy being an educator. Um, Mm. And I was always really drawn to the kids in my classroom that were sort of really struggling, that had challenges or they were a bit quirky or, you know, they had these funny Mm. little quirks and quips and um, I found myself really being drawn to, to, to being able to understand these kids and getting great, really great results and success with them and helping them move forward. And I predominantly spend most of my career in specialist settings, specifically mm. for children with challenging behaviours. Lots of them had um, formal diagnosis with behaviour disorders, but many of them, um, especially when I was in the UK, had been exposed to high levels of trauma. And mm. so this sort of played out in their behaviours. And so... Throughout my career, um, as I said, I never got to the point where I didn't love teaching anymore, but what I was finding more and more was that parents were coming to me for advice. Can you help mm. me? My children, that you know, they respond so well to you. You know, I, I was able to form really great relationships with kids um, and they trusted me so that, that was really able to help them move forward. But parents were really struggling in the family home, mm. like really struggling, dealing with lots of aggressive behaviours and they were looking for support, they were looking for guidance. And I sort mm. of came to the realisation that, you know, throughout my 15 years in education I had a lot of training around therapeutic approach and um, 
the, the, the families of these children, the parents of these children just did not have the same training and expertise. And so yes. that's where the idea for my business, Chaos to Calm Consultancy, was born. And I, and I sort of got to the realisation that even though I still loved working with children, I could actually have a greater impact on more children and more families by upskilling the parents. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a really pivotal thing and a realization too, is because even as a parent, and as I'm taking on more and more information about, you know, developmental psychology and brain development and just understanding children more, it you sort of see how important this information mm-hmm. is to everyone and, and how do we get that information out so that more parents can understand that because it does make your job and your role as a parent so much easier. So you've, you've sort of said that the role of a parent is really vital in the overall education of the children. Can you tell us a little bit more about why this is so important? Oh, honestly, and I, it's so important. And I feel like because of my education and because I'm a mum, I've got two beautiful children, seven and five, mm. I see things from both sides of the fence. Do you know what I mean? So I look through yeah. a, a specialist lens an educator lens and a parent lens. So I feel like it's a very unique uh, perspective, I suppose, that not a lot of specialists have because I come Mm. with a very, you know, amount of training as an educator and see things and know things and the language about how children learn, but I've also got Mm. this really therapeutic training that I've been given as well as, you know, I joke to my clients, I've got my two little guinea pigs that I've tested all my research and knowledge and theories on and get great results. So, and I think too, because you know, you know what it's like to be pushed to the brink because you've got you're, you're living it every day, absolutely. and I think that gives you that authenticity to actually be able to empathise with parents. Yeah, totally. People say that to me all the time. I love how mm. you share examples with your children, and this is one of the things that I've been working so hard for families to understand is that. You know, unless you're someone like me who spent 15 years learning all of this stuff, why do you think as a parent that you should know everything about raising children? Exactly. Right. Why would you magically know? I often say that too, um, particularly I think some people get feedback from their parents, uh, of their grandparents, and say, like, we, this is not how we did things. And I'll often say, well, we're just in this period in time where we now have access to information and expert information mm. that we would never have had access to you know, even 15 years ago, 10 years ago, Mm. we wouldn't have had as much access to this information and to have experts at our fingertips to be able to draw that information from. And I think because I'm an educator and anyone who knows an educator, you know, we are constantly evolving, upskilling, learning. Mm. We get a child in our classroom that we, you know, we can't quite connect with. We are researching and reading, you know, all this Mm. constantly. And I think sometimes, you know, this is what I talk about when I talk to families about that you are your child's most important educator from the minute they mm. arrive in your arms or the minute they grow in, start growing in your belly, you know, yeah. for some for, for some mums. But it, it, you can never, ever forget that your child is looking to learn every single thing they need to know from you. Mm-hmm. And that it's is really powerful. Oh, it is. And that is the magnitude of our role, right? And there's a real mm. weight and responsibility that comes with that. But I think once you can really start to understand that this parenting roller coaster that we're on mm. is constantly evolving. Our children are yes. constantly growing and developing, and so must we. 
Yeah. And now society is changing so much and so rapidly. And there is a whole heap of challenges that we don't have anyone to draw our own experiences from. Like we, we don't have that model of what, what did our parents do because they didn't have that challenge at all. It's completely different. I think it's, you know, really unfair for other generations to say to us, well, that's, you know, we, we did this or we smacked you or you mm. turned out okay. And you know, maybe that is, is true in some cases, but the, the reality is we are not raising our children in the same generation, like you just no. said, okay? And also my children are not me. So yes. the way that you raised me, maybe you did the best with the knowledge that you had at that particular time. Like you yes. just said, the truth is we have more um, access to so much more information about what children need to thrive. Mm. And our children <sighs> are not us. They're not. I love, yeah, that is, you know, those really simple little realisations, like they aren't us and, and I'm not raising a little version of myself. No. So how my mum and dad raised me is not going to be the same as the way I raised my girls because they're not the same. Absolutely. And I talk to families about this all the time. One of the challenges mm. we have, the more kids you've got, the harder it is because yeah. every single one of them has a different brain, different personalities, different thoughts, yeah. ideas and opinions. And just because Absolutely. we are two parents raising three children, everything that yeah. our children are going to need from us is different on any given two- day, right? Yeah, and then also your dynamics with, you know, the other parent as well is completely different to the dynamics between your parents. Um, you know, you've got two different ideas of how to raise children coming together if you are in a in a relationship mm. with someone or you're having to do it on your own and you don't have someone to bounce off, mm. um, which is a completely different set of parameters as well. Absolutely. Um, we've also got, you know, I think the idea that we reach out for, for help or support when we're dealing with really extreme or difficult behaviours, so like oppositional defiance mm. or some serious aggression or even mm. violent behaviour. Um, but I, from what I see in your work is that you're looking to really help ch- help parents in everyday parenting dilemmas and scenarios. Um, what do you think is actually missing in terms of modern-day parenting education? I think, like you said, one of the things that I've been working so hard to shift is the perceptions around seeking out education around your children. Mm. It's not that you're not coping. It's not that you're Mm. not good enough. It's not that I'm an adequate mother because I don't know all these things. It's You have to say to yourself, well, why would I know all these things? If you've had a long and successful career in nursing, for example, or in, you know, um, being an accountant, you're really amazing at knowing all of those things. That doesn't necessarily Mm. mean that you're going to understand child development. And this is the Mm. the thing that just blows my mind as an educator, of someone who values education and, you know, lives and breathes it, is that you know, people, we are growing a human being. We are growing a mm. human brain. I mean, that job is enormous. Why is. Why wouldn't we get any training or education mm. or, um, you know, insights into actually doing that job well? Yeah, exactly. And I, I think that that's a conversation I have a lot of the time is that I don't think that I'm doing it any better than anyone else. It's just that I know that the more I understand, the easier, the better I can be as a parent, but the easier it becomes as well. It becomes a second language because we're not often surrounded by people who are engaging with their children in ways which is really helpful. So, you know, it's the easiest way to learn and, and the thing that comes up automatically is just what we've seen, what we've seen other people say to their children, what we've seen our own 
parents and the parents of our friends say to their children uh, and you don't actually see that there's a different way yeah. of responding. I th- and, and I think we are going against generational programming. You know, mm. one of the things that I would love to see parents talking about, and this is why I very openly talk about the challenges I have with my own children, because a lot of people yeah. say to me, well, you're a child behaviour expert. I bet your kids are yeah. amazing. Um, and I say yeah. to them, well, yeah, they actually are. But my children are like your children. They have tantrums. Exactly. They get upset. Sometimes they try to hit me. You know, and people are, are almost like shocked. Really, you yeah. do that too? Like, well, yeah. yeah, they do. But the difference yeah. with me is, I have a lot of insight, a lot of skills, and a lot of therapeutic approaches to be able to support them through those moments. That's right, and I think for me too is that uh, I can't just read something once and then expect that to be part of my toolbox. So I'll go back yes. to the resources that I know and love, and have to have that reminder because I'm not always emotionally available to implement playful parenting or yes. you know the whole heap of strategies that I know because life gets in the way. We're busy, we're overloaded and stressed. We all have our own ways of dealing and coping with emotions, mm. and um, if I'm not actually available, then I don't implement the things that I know and that I will talk to people about as being really positive great ways of dealing with certain behaviors because we're human Absolutely. and I think that it's important for people to know that even people who have the experts and people who have been working with children and parenting for a very long time are still human and we don't execute this 100% of the time but we do a pretty good job for the most part on the on a holistic when we look at our parenting and step back and we say, look, we do a pretty good job because we're starting to see the flow and effect of our children. And, and you know what's really interesting, you know, when I engage with families one-on-one, you know, I, um, I get them to fill out paperwork and, you know, it's just filled with negativity about their child, yeah. all of the things their kids are doing wrong, the challenges yeah. that they're having and they do X, Y and Z. And the first thing I talk to, to my clients about when I'm working with them one-on-one is, okay, well, let's look at your behaviour. Let's look at your communication. Mm. Let's look at your boundaries. Let's look at what you are presenting to your children and to the family unit as a whole. And I guarantee Mm. you I've been in this business for nearly seven and a half years and it is always about us. Yeah, it is. (laughs) And I think that's the hardest part of it. I think it's really hard to be able to shift, uh, I mean, like the human nature to blame someone else. And, and the external, you know, it's an external to me instead of uh, the inner work that has to be done in order to, to move forward and to grow. It is. It's just so much a reflection. Our children are mirrors of how we behave. Mm, mm. And uh, I, think it, I think that's hard for people to, to actually do that, to reflect on themselves and actually say, well, how could I actually do better in this situation? And um, when, when we're able to accept that, then then we start to see some really positive changes. Absolutely. And coming back to what you were saying before is don't wait till it's so bad. Don't wait mm. until you are at the on the brink of exhaustion. You know what I mean? And this is this is one of the things that I've been talking to yeah. families about is if you if you practice um, you know, learnings and ongoings and um progressive, you know, ways of approaching your children ongoing, the behaviors generally don't mm. get to that point where everything's spiralling yeah. out of control and then you're, you're a family yeah. in crisis. Um, do you know what I mean? Because it's gotten so bad. And I think that's got a lot to do with our expectations as well, right? So I've had conversations with people and it's just interesting about what they will have. Uh, and this is, it grows from that, you know, 
maybe you're not really thinking to when you've got an eight-year-old, but when you're dealing with your two and three-year-old in a cafe and your expectations are really high, then there's a flow-on effect for that to when they're eight, nine or ten because those challenges start really young because you're expecting a behaviour of them that they're not quite capable of meeting. Absolutely. And imagine if every single parent did training and education around two-year-old toddler mm. tantrums, when we were out in yeah. a cafe, every single parent would be sitting there going, oh, I understand yeah, what's happening in that child's exactly. brain right now. Yeah, exactly. because I think a lot of that pressure, there is a societal pressure as parents for our children to behave a certain way and I, I can actually see that. I don't know, I feel that myself sometimes too, uh, that I need you to behave because other people are going to be judging my parenting yes. in this moment. yes. And I, it's funny, I, one of my sayings with the families that I work with is I really want you to parent like no one is watching. Yeah, that's great. Because it is. when we stop actually caring about what other people are thinking, which nine times out of ten, mm. you know, everybody's thinking about themselves, nobody actually is thinking about you, <laughs> you know. Yeah, ex- exactly. And just, well, they're going to forget about you in five oh, minutes. Totally. They don't care. They've got their own lives that they're living. Absolutely. And yep. if they want to think, oh, that mother over there has got no idea what she's doing, let them think that, you know. That, exactly. that, that doesn't have any impact on us. But what actually does yeah. impact on us is the way that we respond and our relationship with our child. It is. I think it's a really important to, thing to remember and to anchor ourselves into our, our values and our long-term goals within our family and that when we really drill down on those, it doesn't matter what, you know, the old man or the old woman or the or the young, you know, 21-year-old who hasn't even had kids yet yes. are thinking about you when your child's screaming at you in the supermarket. Absolutely. I like that. I'll never forget the time I was on a flight with one of my kids and they were so good. They were really, really good. I was actually really proud of them. And she had her, she kept turning around. She was sort of a young 20-year-old, had her big, beautiful, yeah. you know, headphones on. And she kept turning around, giving me the stink eye. And I was like, lady, you've got no idea. These kids are actually being brilliant. <laughs> Trust yeah, me. You know what exactly. I mean? And, but I think that that's where the education part comes in. If every parent, when they yeah. are pregnant, for example, there's so much um, information around conceiving, getting pregnant, yes. bringing yes. baby home, and I find in my experience it's around two years of age when children really yeah. start to express themselves, a.k.a. chuck a wobbly, and, and, yeah. and understand that they can communicate through their behaviour that is when mm. the core of people sort of get in contact with me saying, oh, my gosh, I don't know what's going yeah. on here. I don't know what to do. Yeah. Do sometimes we're not surrounded by people who want to be honest about these sorts of behaviours uh, to share that we're all going through a similar experience and that all of our children are behaving in a very similar way. You're not alone. And that's why I think for us village building is so important. You're not the only one that's experiencing these behaviours with your children or this phase or whatever it is that they're going through. When you can feel like you're going through it together, then it, it makes it feel so much easier to deal with. And it's funny, you know, it's, it's sort of not funny for the families dealing with it, but a lot of special needs families stop living, mm. stop experiencing social experiences they they stop mm. seeing their friends and they stop taking their children places because the behaviors are too challenging and too extreme yeah you know and oh, they, they stop taking them places to the zoo or whatever yeah. and I, I you know I really work hard with them to keep on living because yeah and when you have the skills and the knowledge and the confidence to be able to support your child and manage your child wherever you are 
Yeah. People stop watching you for one. But two, it, you just got to keep getting on with life. You know, we can't yeah. not we can't live in the fear of a meltdown or a tantrum with our kids. Exactly. Um, like I, I know that I have some specific challenges with one of my daughters in that when she's behaving in a way that I guess some people might be judging my parenting or her behaviour or both mm. is that my what I've come to learn about how to deal with those strategies is it looks like I'm not doing anything. Yeah. So. I can't reprimand her in that moment. I'm not going about to use shame and humiliation to in, in order to get compliance. And so that's a struggle as well to sort of be able to let, let things go and know that I'm going to deal with it in a way that serves both her and me yes. and where I'm actually going to get future results in making sure that we deal with these situations differently. And if, mm. if I try and do that on the spot, that doesn't actually work. Mm. It makes it a lot worse, worse and it mm. di- makes a disconnection between me and her. Yeah. Whereas if I deal with it privately in a way that we can have a really good conversation about it, I start to see that we, we both can work towards a positive solution moving forward. But from a perspective of everyone watching me in that moment, it looks like I'm a permissive parent or that I haven't done my ro- job taking control or whatever it is. I tell, you know, I tell this funny story about, and, you know, the older generation, they're, they're, they're sort of, they're, they're in two camps, aren't they? There's the ones that sort of mm. look down their nose at you, like your kids running around the supermarket screaming and they're teaching at you. you yeah, know? yeah. And then there's the other camp that look at you like, oh, we've been there. We know what it's yeah, like, yeah. you know, and they give you this really supportive look and it's amazing. Yeah. And I'll never forget one day we are in a, um, a restaurant with my kids and we'd been at a party and anyway my little guy, he hit the wall big time and he started taking yeah. his clothes off and he was screaming and he was sweating because there was this indoor play centre yeah. there. And I, you know, gave my hubby the signal, let's wrap this up, you know, we're out of here. Yeah. And this is this is the parenting like no one is watching. And yeah. um, we ca- I think we carried him out half naked, screaming, and the the, yep. the 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 crowd just opened like the seas. They let us through, they could <laughs> see us coming through. And using yeah. humor in those moments, um, I said things like, Coming through, half naked baby, yeah. you know, a half naked toddler, get out of the way, guys, you know, and just being relaxed and like, I've got this and nothing yeah. to see here. Really, um, I don't know, it just makes you feel a lot more empowered as a parent, I think. Empowering ourselves so that we can handle these situations and we're doing the best job that we can for our children. That's, exactly. That's the most important thing to us. Do you also think that? Seeing as we've had a lot of school closures and the self-isolation with COVID-19, we've seen a lot of families really slowing down, reevaluating how they balance their work and family time and play and spending a bit more time together. How do you see this experience as a, a way to positively shape a new way forward for families? I mean, I, you know, there's a silver lining out of all of this, isn't it, of, of what mm. some families have actually been able to come back to. And I have been banging on about this sort of stuff for years. So in a way, yeah. it's, uh, I'm just so grateful in a really backhanded sort of way that we've been given this opportunity to reevaluate what's important to us. Yeah. And and being forced to spend time together as a family yeah. in close confinement. You know, yeah. I, I have seen so many positive things come out of this for families. You know, um, yeah. relationships improved. You know, dads around more, especially, you mm. know, cooking more with their kids, kicking the footy out on the oval more, you know, being, yeah. being more available and emotionally present and yes. not having the other stresses. Of course, there's been stresses with, you know, if you've been homeschooling and trying to work from home. I'm feeling, yeah, I know exactly what yeah. you mean. But 
you know, the flip side of that is has been, I think, the ability to actually just slow down. Mm. Not everything. We don't have to say yes to everything. We don't have to be everything to everyone all the time and life goes on. You know, people still love us and care us about us if they don't see us all the time. Um, Yeah. And the other really interesting thing for me that came up as an educator was seeing the amount of children, particularly, you know, our our little friends on the autism spectrum, their levels of anxiety decreasing Mm, because we have created this system for them that just does not meet their needs. No, and absolutely. The, the being given the love and the guidance and support and learning opportunities, you know, in the comfort of their own home yeah, has been something yeah. that they've been really able to tap into. Yeah, I think a lot of people are starting to realise that the current education system isn't actually set up to meet the specific needs of individual children. It does a fairly average job of meeting the needs of the average child I think that a lot of parents are starting to realize what their actual needs of their children are Mm. they haven't tapped into that yet Mm. by actually having them at home um what's your take on why the education system is failing to meet our children's needs look there's so many different areas that the main things that I see too is that there there are not enough schools like the ones that I've worked in the specialist settings Mm. for children who don't fit the mold that can't cope with the constraints and pressures of a busy classroom. There are some Mm. kids who cope really well with that and there are plenty of kids who don't, you know. So what I've seen happening and I've mentored quite a lot of graduate teachers is the stress that they are put under because they don't have the skills and training to be able to meet the needs of these kids. So teachers are leaving the profession in droves because we're getting all these high-needs kids in classrooms it's not the teacher's fault. They don't have the training. They don't have the experience. I'll never forget when I went back into a mainstream classroom and I had a little boy that had been very, very challenging. And I turned him around in that year. But it was, yeah. it was because of my training. Do you know what I mean? Because yeah. I used all yeah. of my therapeutic approaches with him. And I also had mm. 15 years experience. And I remember yeah. thinking afterwards, a, a teacher straight out of uni into the classroom with that little kid, oh my goodness, they would not have coped. Yeah. Right? Oh. Yeah, I I just it's so it blows my mind when I worked in the UK everywhere over there the schools had a a unit almost like not a special needs unit but a place where children who were experiencing difficulties in the classroom could Mm. take a break and come out and there would be a teacher like me on site to work with all the kids around their social and emotional um, um, attachment it was called a nurture group. And it would give the teachers a break, it'd give the other kids a break. And, I mean, long-term for me, if I'm, you know, long-term dream for me would be to see something like this sit up in every government school in Australia. Yeah. So that these kids have got a place to go where they're working with a specialist who understands their needs, which will then alleviate some of the pressure from the teachers and the other kids who can get the learning that they need without the disruption because these kids aren't getting their needs met. I first put my hand up. I was a high school maths and science teacher uh, before I had my my girls, and I I, got, I don't th- I think I did a pretty good job as a teacher. But there, I was severely lacking in so much understanding in terms of development of of children. And yeah, I mean, 
now that I have children, I know so much more mm. just by being a parent mm. and, and being invested and interested in it than I ever did as a teacher. And that was my profession. So I think there is massive big gaps. Yeah, having these specialist areas would definitely make a, a really big difference. All right, Christy, I'm going to ask you a few rapid fire questions. So the first one I want to ask is, what is your favourite book at the moment and why? Oh, you know what? Whenever I'm having a hard day with my kids, and it's a book I always recommend to families too, it is Parenting from the Inside Out by Dan Siegel. Have you read it? No, I haven't read that one. You follow his work though, Dan Siegel? Yeah. Yeah, totally. All about the brain and he's all about reminding us that, you know, children respond better when we connect from the inside with their heart and their brains. Oh, it's always good to have those books to go back to. I've got uh, the whole brain child sitting there, so I have read it. Another goodie. Mm. Yeah, yeah. All right, if you could change one thing about the education system, and I know we just talked about this, Mm. but what would the one thing would, would it be? Do you know what? It's a, it's a pipe dream, but a girl can dream. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I wish every teacher was trained in special education first. Mm. I think it yeah. almost should be given that one in five kids will be diagnosed with a behaviour disorder in a government yeah. Australian classroom, that our teachers need to come out with more training around special needs and what kids yeah. with, with um, you know, autism and oppositional defiant behaviours actually yeah. need to thrive in a classroom. Yeah. Uh, I've, I, I guess when I listen to stories of parents who have children with needs talk to me about how their needs aren't being met, mm. it just breaks my heart into a million mm. pieces because it feels like there are some really simple things that can be done when the understanding is there and when mm. there isn't an understanding, that's where they find it really, really difficult to yeah. get uh, what their children need. So, yeah, I think that's that's really critical as well. That's great. Now, where do you go to reset recharge, or recharge after a big day? There are, a few, there are a few days for us in ISO phase one as well mm. where, you know, um, the tension was mounting and I constantly, and this is why I just adore the work that you guys are doing, whenever I mm. feel like we're getting to that point, I always head to nature. Yeah. To the beach, yeah. to a coastal walk, to the bush, mm. to the river. We live near a creek. And any time we remember to take our kids to go out into nature, play with some dirt and some leaves and hug a tree. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We all come back with a you know, like we've hit the reset button. Mm, absolutely. Mm. I think it's it's pretty mostly universal, but yeah, it's good to hear what other people like to do. It also gives us that little bit of motivation to keep remembering to do it as well, I absolutely. think. Absolutely. Mm. Well, this conversation has been really, really great. I've enjoyed hearing your perspectives on things so much. So thank you so much for coming on the podcast today and sharing your expertise and knowledge. And hopefully people have taken away some little nuggets of information or different ways in which we can reframe our parenting and remember how important it is for us as parents to try and learn a little bit more about our role and about our children and how they how they work from the inside. And one of my favourite sayings, we never stop learning. We don't. Thank you so much, Chrissy. My pleasure. Oh, my gosh. I love that we get to surround ourselves with professionals and parents who are so invested in supporting families in this way. It is truly an honour. Now, don't forget that we actually have some great free downloadables on the website, including our Phrases of Empathy and Validation Cheat Sheet, which is a great downloadable that you can print out and put on your fridge in those moments when parenting really is just that hard. And you just need that little reminder of how to stay in your values. And if you would like a little bit more of a kickstart into your journey as a respectful parent or teacher, then we have a special offer for you. So on August 24th, we will finally be set to launch 
our first online course in respectful communication. Now, this is a beginner's course for those of you that have perhaps wanted to start this journey and just want a little bit more information, a little bit more guidance, and some really great resources that might keep you on track to move away from some of that conditioning and authoritarian practices that sneak into our parenting and hopefully bring you towards a more connected and respectful relationship with either your own children or the children in your care. Now, if you are interested in hearing a little bit more about that and to be the first to hear about early bird offers, you can head to wildlingsforestschool.com forward slash online courses and sign up to our mailing list. And as always, we absolutely love doing this journey with you. And if you have equally loved doing this journey with us, and we would really encourage you to like, subscribe or follow our little podcast on your platform of choice. And if you feel like it, taking a photo of the podcast artwork and sharing it on your socials. Instagram is our social media playground of choice. And you might just see your posts popping up on our stories. So until next time, stay wild. Stay wild.